engineer it's me lady ada the engineer with me mr lady ada on camera control and mic and in the background a sleeping ada baby we've got an exciting show maybe sleeping maybe not we've got an exciting show for tonight lots of new products videos nine mpi lots of it's not out yet and more mr lady ada, what's on tonight's show and what is that code on tonight's show the code is cow logger 10 percent on anything that's in stock in native store all the way up to 11 59 p.m Talk about some live shows, including show and tell. Gonna do a little bit of recap from Desk Gladiator, including the great search. Got JP's product pick of the week, a little bit of time travel, some news about our jobs board at jobs.adafruit.com. We got some really fun, exciting advanced manufacturing made in New York City. Factory footage. We got some 3D printing. We got INPI. We got top secret. We got new products. We're gonna answer your questions. We do that over on Discord adafruit.it slash discord or discord.gg slash adafruit all that and more on you guessed it ask an engineer so uh as we get started here don't forget the code is calogger mm. uh one programming note um we did a pre-recording of some of the well one of the segments in here because um for the parents out there we do have someone to help us watch our kiddo um, well, we had a couple of different people. One broke a wrist. Um, our, our child didn't do it. We did find her from Krypton, this meteorite that landed, but no, it had nothing to do with us. Broke a wrist mini golf. And then um, another one, um, she was really proactive and she got one of the tests for the respiratory, one of the respiratory viruses that are going around. And she told us in advance, she's like, hey, like, I'm sick. Um, and I tested positive. Uh, it wasn't COVID, but it was like one of the many ones that like everybody is getting something now. And so um, we try to arrange things so we have the show that we can do and have someone watching kiddo. Um, but sometimes um, we don't. Um, and so and this show is live. Yeah, we do a live show. We're always going to do a live show. So just bear with us if there's something that goes uh, right or wrong. <laughs> um, but we did a pre-record of one of the segments um, just because it required a lot of a lot of uh, technical things behind the scenes that we do. So. Um, but the rest of life. Yeah, so you'll notice there's one ladyated change of clothes <laughs> in yes. here, and quick change. Um, yeah, but uh, you know we're not trying to fool anyone. Um, we're just uh, a work working parents, and we really love what we do, love kiddo, and we like doing all of it. Um, we're pretty lucky, um, and uh, she hangs out with us while we do electronics and more. In fact, at the but end, but she of does eat a lot, which is why you should use that code. <laughs> yeah to help us pay she, she for the food to feed me so i can feed her so um at the end of the show too um you'll see, we made a little video um she plays a little piano while lady Ada designs electronics <laughs> she's only a few months old but she's getting pretty good so um we'll show that at the end of the show so anyways just a heads up in case you see you know i have to like juggle some some camera stuff around here um, and, you know, change a baby during the show. So anyways, um, in addition to that discount, that'll help us pay for uh, food. Um, 
for all of us at Avert, um, we have some freebies. That's right. Meet me. We've got freebies, $99 or more. We've got that half-size Proto, great for taking your breadboard projects and making them permanent. $149 or more, we still have the KB2040. Uh, while supplies last, we will not have these forever. Uh, the pink PCB will eventually turn back into black. Um, but for now, a pink uh, Pro Micro pin compatible RP2040 board with stem QT buttons and USB-C. It's a great microcontroller. Free ground shipping with UPS ground on order of $199 or more. And $299 or more, uh, there's going to be a free Microbit V2 in your order. This NR52-based board has programmer built in and has lots of tutorials. It's great for kids or students at heart um, with tons of sensors, a 5x5 LED grid, um, buttons, microphone, capacitive touch, and more. Do a bunch of live shows every week, um, including this one. Um, we like doing live shows. It's special. There's a connection that you have with the people that are watching the show that's a little different than just watching, you know, unending one million channels. So that's why I like doing it. We're going to keep doing it. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the show until yet, but I will do that immediately after um, Ask an Engineer. So there's a mailbox. What? There's a mailbox. Yeah, Liz was hosting. Thank you so much, Liz. Um, and Anne showed up officer gifts, probably. Yeah, we're uh, the video in the beginning of this show. That was a bunch of projects that and did as part of one project, which is the floppy disk with a screen on it. Super fun retro project. Bring back slots of memories. Um, I put the floppy sound in there. Um, so you'll see that project and more. We're going to be doing a lot more with that. And then um, some other projects came along. I think DJ Devin at the end had a, a, a neat one um, that I glanced at before we before we went live. So I think we're hosting next week. Um, who knows? <laughs> awesome. um, but we'll have someone from Adafruit. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's someone else from Adafruit. And it's every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. on, um, I guess we would call it Hacker O'Clock. That's what we do. That's what we say. Mm -hmm. We have Desk of Lady Ada, and we do that uh, on Sundays. And it usually is two parts. Um, and then part one this week was... Okay, so this Metro M7, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. Uh, I worked on the tester this week. Um, it's almost done, so you can get those Metro M7s in the shop. I also worked on some Bones boards, which I'll show in more detail. Um, so I did an RFM R slash Laura Bones and an E-Ink Bones. Uh, that's in addition to the DVI uh, issue my output bones that we did uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. And that leads into... Yeah, we do the great search. This is, um, it's been really handy over the last couple of years. It's uh, how to find stuff on digit.com and uh, Lady Ada user power of engineering. And I think you're probably one of the top experts of searching digikey I'm so good at on planet earth um so you uh, show folks how you find the things that you're putting into your designs when you show this week so this week i showed off uh hdmi slash dvi connector so there's hdmi mini hdmi micro hdmi uh, there's also display port um and dvi d which are all the same protocol but different like pluggy parts uh, and I showed basically how to, you know, there's, there's a lot of jelly bean, uh, HDMI ports, and I just showed a couple options, what I searched for, um, and variants that are available on digikey.com. So you can, you know, as soon as I release these bones board files, uh, once I've tested them, uh, folks can, uh, check out the Pico DVI library we wrote. All right. And then, uh, JP's workshop is, uh, every single week on Thursdays, but on Tuesdays we do JP's product pick of the week. That's where we broadcast live from inside the product page. One of the only shows in the world that does that. So here is this week's highlight. Take it away, JP. It is the LCD character backpack. I took our board, our little LCD driver board there, and put some 
socket headers on there. You can plug that in like that. Okay, so here you can see I've got four lines on this one. I've got some blinking cursor, which is part of the library. Uh, notice the J and P, those are a custom font. So I did a couple of custom letters. Uh, same with that little sort of space invader guy who's, uh, who's flying along on the bottom there. It's a custom. Uh, so I filled three of the eight custom slots and then you can just call them uh, using an address. Uh, here you can also see I'm doing some of the uh, sort of automated scrolling, uh, moving here I'm using the little move right command and then I'll, I'll run this uh, set of text and then use scroll to kind of move that off to the side and rearrange that. That's my product pick of the week this week. It is the LCD character backpack with I squared C and SPI and Stemma QT connectors. 5 p.m. on Fridays, we have Deep at Dive with Tim, and uh, I thought I'd do a little bit of time traveling. Got some news going on here, Lady Um So first up in the world of time traveling, uh, we have something on our site every week, every day, every month. Something or someone is being celebrated on the Adafruit site. Um, it was just Black History Month, and check out all the posts. Uh, you can check it out all year, but February is Black History Month, so you can check out all our posts there. Also, Sparkman had... Uh, a bunch of good posts. Oh, cool. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that we've been trying to encourage and support and see. So we posted up their posts on Adafruit. And the more we celebrate one another, um, the better it is. That's, that's why we're all here um, sharing. I think I'm going to be able to finish writing my little article. I think the maker world or the engineering world, we all kind of, well, most of us, kind of approach it like skateboarding, where it's like, oh, you did a trick. And then I built upon that trick. And then we keep doing tricks. And it's not a competition in the same way. It's not like, I'm better than you. It's like you're actually learning from each other and you're, you are you can only do the, the tricks together, but you're still kind of pushing one another and it's a very like wholesome good thing. So part of what we do on our website is similar. It's if uh, you see people that are like you from wherever you're from, whatever walk of life, whatever um, your background is, if you see someone like you doing something that you want to do like engineering, you're more likely to do it. So this month is Women's History Month. And uh, not only do we have a lot of blog posts, but we also have um, guides that have uh, women who made the electronics. So we have like gift guides. We have a lot. Yeah. So I thought we'd just go over to that right now. Um, so if you go to, you go to adafruit.com, uh, WHM23, and you'll get all of our posts. You can also look at, uh, we've been doing this for a while. This isn't the first year and our first rodeo, as I say. Um, and then if you want, you could go to, uh, I think it's WHM, uh, 23 explore, where you could just click one of the links. And this is, uh, electronics designed by women. So you can look at the learn guides. You can look at, um, all of the actual products that we have in the store. Um, and I think we're one of the, uh, few resources that kind of collect this all in one spot. So check it out. And, uh, if there's an amazing woman that's built and shared, and did anything, send it to our team and we'll get it up on the website. Um, I do have some other news. I think I'll just bounce right into um, our jobs board news. So our jobs board is going to change. So what I thought I would do is let everyone know how it's going to change. So we've been doing the jobs board for a while, and it's a free service that we do for makers out there. So you could post your skills, or you can post, uh, if you're a company and you're looking for people, you could post uh, the job. Um, it's just another website that we've been maintaining. We use GitHub for our newsletters and Markdown and GitHub pages. And we also have the Learn System, which is an authoring tool. So instead of having 10 different authoring tools for 10 different things, we want to start 
this phrase is like eat your own dog food. So what we're going to do is uh, take down the jobs board, which is a WordPress site, and we're going to have it um, first part of like the, the Adafruit kind of content management system we have, but then we're going to have it work with our learn system. So anyone with a learn account could post a job and it's it's easier it's easier that way. So um, we have three jobs at Adafruit right now. You can take a look at it. But what I thought I would do, because I'm going to be taking this down soon, is um, give uh, Goliath, who just posted up a couple jobs, uh, a little extra up. So if you do firmware and you want to do cool IoT stuff IoT. using Adafruit things. <laughs> Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. So Sensors. Goliath is a startup that that does that. Um, check it out. Um, they have two jobs that they just posted up, lead firmware engineer and field application engineer. And this is IoT firmware. You can check out the job application. You can check out what they're looking for. Um, we know people, I think uh, the two people that we know there, uh, Mike, the former editor of Hackaday, and then um, the other person, Chris Grammel, Chris yeah. who's there, uh, who uh, I think folks know Chris probably from and Bauer uh, and a few other places. Yeah, and like a embedded yeah. electronics. So these will be here just for a little while, but that's that's what we're doing. Um, we're changing it up so it's easier for everyone to use it. Also, like the less servers you have to maintain, the better. Yeah. It's just like another instance, another server, another thing, another surface area that gets like hammered from like denial of service tax and just like everything is kind of like that on the internet. Okay, let's do some uh, Python on hardware lay data. Mm -hmm. Blinka, blinka, blinka. So, um, we have a newsletter that's pretty awesome, and uh, it is awesome. Yeah, it I is. send links to it all the time. Yeah, and each week we go over some of the cool things in it. Please subscribe, and would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. Everyone would appreciate it. We spend a lot and of time. It's on really this. good stuff, and it has just about everything that you can imagine that has anything to do with Python and anything to do with electronics. Um, from GIF playing with CircuitPython to a lot of this neat uh, auto-generated code with like ChatGPT and uh, Pong. There's just a lot of neat stuff that, that's in there this week. However, um, the thing that we're going to talk about this week is this is the special guide that you wanted to um, have made from the team, which is all about CircuitPython safe mode. Yes. So this was interesting to me because when we were doing a lot of um, testing with Adabox Cricket, I was breaking it constantly because yeah. it was like, this was new. This yeah. was like, oh my God, like we're doing Python and robotics and all that. And we had to do a bunch of stuff um, that kind of like, I would like, oh, let me take, let me, let me remove the following like frozen um, libraries or like whatever it was. I'm just like, I need to like, basically like an old school Mac. Yeah. How do I make it so it's, it's like hold shift down while you up? How do, yeah. How do I how, disable like, the like, How do I do safe mode? And I, and you know it's it's been a while, um, but now it's kind of like possible. So you can you can mess around and then you can boot into a safe mode if you're yes. If, well, we've always get in some trouble. We've always had the safe mode available, and and sometimes you can you know double double or triple click reset to get into it. Um, safe mode is basically if you had like a hard fault or um, you had an unaccounted exception. Or um, I'm trying to think, is it like a low battery, like a brownout? We have a couple different reasons why you might end up going into safe mode. And um, if you're a beginner, it's really nice that safe mode kicks you out and like kind of stops running stuff, so you can see what happened. Like you can see the the, the exception trace. 
However, if you are not a beginner, you might want to do something special on safe mode. Like for example, um, if there's a brownout, maybe you want to like um, stop, check the battery, you know, save the data to a file. Um, or if you're doing an IoT thing, maybe you want to send, you know, what's called the last will over MQTT and say, hey, I'm about to go offline for a very long it's time. Like dead man switch. It's a little bit of a dead man switch. It's like it's like it's outside the scope of the of the code.py. Like you might want to do certain activities. Um, and this is something I would have found really handy while doing like MagTag. I would always end up in safe mode and it was like you know, shoot, like I didn't want um, to actually, I wanted it to just go to sleep and restart. I didn't want to actually. You know, there was times when, um, when COVID was peaking in New York City and we wanted to look at the infection rate and then the the, the data source or something would happen and we'd wake up in the morning and the the, the display would, it would hit an yeah. error because like the database was down or something. When you can do like a finally, but it's, well, yeah. basically like we didn't have this, this structure built in, but now we do. So um, Dan Halbert, who's a core developer, I'll go to guide, which it, what you can do is you have a, a, a circuit. If, if you have a file called safemode.py, that will run when in safe mode. And what it can do is exit safe mode, or it can, again, write errors to a file or somehow track what happened. Um, so be good for telemetry um, analysis, et cetera. It's a kind of a more advanced uh, feature. But um, you know if you're not used to safe mode, like a lot of microcontrollers, if you, you know, write, try to read or write address zero in memory, it'll hard fault and it'll just like the watchdog timer will kick oh, in yeah. and it'll, it'll reboot you. I like the descriptive messages. It's like you're in safe mode because. Yes, this is also nice. It's it's updated the description. Make sure you're so. providing enough power. Press reset to exit safe mode. That's really neat. Yes, but you have to click reset. So that's yeah. the problem is if you weren't there to click reset, it doesn't actually reset. Whereas if you're, you know, if you have a brownout, you might want to do something with that information. Anyways, it's um, it's in the new guide on Learn. Check it out. Okay. Um, so in addition to the MagTag one that you were talking about, um, could you have this safe mode interact with something like Adafruit IO? Could you have it like? Yes, you could. Like if if you know if you have something, you know, you have something on a boat and and this error occurs. Um, and it's a rare occurrence. You might want to log when that happens. You know, I'm, this is I'm I'm speculating because I've yeah. actually written this. But what you could do is have safe mode write something to the non-volatile memory and say, "Hey, I failed at you know this time," and then boot into the main program. The main program sees like, "Oh shit, I just got out of a safe mode," and it sends a message to Adafruit IO saying, "Hey, it's Sunday at six a.m. Yeah, you had a failure. that's why my data. That's why the data I'm sending. That, is that like, could be why the data. This is getting really neat because you know a lot of people do uh, stuff with uh, those little micro satellites with mm -hmm. CircuitPython. I just like the idea of like this this like very smart thing that can operate on its own and do yeah, things and, it, and give you a, a, a error message later. And it knows why, yeah. which is you know if you're used to like I actually really like using this in Arduino. It's you can look at the reset flags and see like why did my microcontroller reset, and and you can you know even if you don't have a full debugger, it can give you some idea of like what occurred. Um, so it's a, again, it's a little bit more advanced, but it's something that I've been looking uh, for, and I yeah. think it's I think it's especially for IoT stuff, it's very handy because, I, to be honest, like the ESP series could sometimes kind of just like go off into the woods, yeah, and it, you know it'll it'll hard fault, and you're like I don't know why, and it's very hard for us to debug, but at least your project isn't. Stuck. I think this this particular feature thing and um, how we do things like you can have CircuitPython not show up as a drive if you want to do something with keyboards. These are like very interesting advanced features that really make it a well-rounded choice. Yeah. Um, you know, we just did this floppy project and um, 
you know, Anne did an amazing job and like Jepler and then Mark did it. Like everyone worked together on this and like these gifts are cool and everything. And, you know, it's, it's not a project that I would um, say you could do with anything else. And I kind of wanted to be like, hey, it, I, like not offer a bounty, but like, hey, is there any other way to do this any easier way with lower cost hardware and not like, you know, just find an, like you could find something else that works with Adafruit stuff if you want, like that's fine. But I'm saying like, no, like this would be completely written in something else. Like, is it even possible? And it's like, kind of no, it's really hard to do all this stuff. Yeah. But, this is very advanced. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so but we make it easy. Yeah. So good work. Okay. Um, don't forget, sign up, Adafruit Daily. In your mailbox. We do not spam you. We do not harvest your emails. We don't do anything like that. Let's go to some guides. So we have a bunch of guides, lady. We have, I think, um, uh, let's see. Let me go to new guides. It's like thousands. Um, what's on the big board this week? Okay. Actually, uh, okay. So um, there's a couple updated guides. All these QTPI, ESP32, and Feather ESP updated guides are because Brent has been cranking through the Whipper Snapper Essentials pages. Um, if you want to use Whipper Snapper on these boards um, for a note code IoT, um, check out them out. Um, you know, he's gotten a good start on them and there will be more later. Um, we just talked about CircuitPython safe mode. Um, if you want to have special code run in safe mode and then you can use the non-volatile memory perhaps if you want to like pass messages from the safe mode yeah. runtime into the code.py runtime. Um, I'll say the 3D printed light of Kaleidoscope just came in, and so I didn't get to take a look at it. I saw but this. it looks it is super cool. So, yes. Um, if you're looking for a project to do with the wireless LEDs, this is it. Yeah, so this is um this is uh Geek Mom. Mom. Yeah. So she did a project with um laser cut and she's like, I want to redo it with 3D printing. And I was like, Yeah, absolutely. Um post it up. And then what's really cool is it uses the LED beads. And the coil is on the back, so like as you're looking, it's it's actually lighting yeah. up from the inside. Um, you know, I, I yeah. when I was a kid, I had a kaleidoscope, which was really cool. But of course, you have to point at the sun, or at the moon, or light. Um, this uh, lights up on its own. I actually kind of want to build this. This is really cool and tricky. Yeah, you know what would be neat with this too is once you make one of these, um, we could put it underneath the overhead or one of our cameras, and we could mm-hmm. um, we can project it either home or we could do a live stream and get music. I think kaleidoscopes are under. I need a black light, and then we should go to Burning Man, and it's trippy. Okay. Um, Wait, we're in the guides. Go back. (laughs) I think there's more guides. Um, Is there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jepler uh, uh, published a guide for the Adafruit floppy feather wing. Um, This is our feather wing that you would plug into. What we recommend is an ESP, sorry, an RP2040. Um, And then using uh, PIO, you can read and write uh floppy disks um we're gonna have more tutorials this one's just getting started um you can use um flux engine or grease yeah. weasel on a uh, cross-platform through the feather and the feather wing to read and write uh raw fluxes for um floppy disks good for ibm pc but we were also able to read uh some commodore 64 and um mac os classic like original style floppy disks so there'll be more more to come we have actually a lot of documentation the thing is we just have to like sort it because it's like it's so confu- like floppy disks like definitely were a thing we did we we learned a lot but it's also like really confusing um uh, okay so we got all the updated all these updated boards are because mm-hmm. there's the essentials pages 
um, AT Tiny breakouts. Uh, we added the AT Tiny 816 and 1616. Um, Trevor published his Matrix Portal boxing interval timer, so it's more more boxing from him. Um, so mm -hmm. you, you know, put together the font and the timer, and then using the buttons on the side to indicate you know like how long you should be boxing for. Um, and then we've got an update to the ice I squared C SPI L C D backpack. It got like a huge redesign. It's one of our first products, it's like product two hundred or something. It's got um and we featured it last week. It got a complete redo. It's now three to five volt compatible. It's demi QT, plug and play. Um it's got a nice better potentiometer. It's got a nice silk screen. So it's shape compatible, but um a big upgrade. And then let me see. Okay, of course we've got the guide from Anne on the floppy yeah. disk. Do you want to? Well, I, I that later. Well, I jumped the the the, the, the floppy. The here. floppy gun? Yeah, this is a three D explodey diagram that. And we've got the did. video from. Yeah, we're gonna show the video in a minute. But I, I when you said floppy, I'm just like, oh yeah, floppy. Floppy. So I added. Well, we just double the flops. Yeah. Um, it's a double sided floppy. I uh, like flip it upside down. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, we'll we'll show the video for that from Noah and Pedro. That was a collaboration. Uh, with Anne, who yeah. uh, wanted to make live a um, a uh, nanoraptor project, and then so I keep scrolling. A lot of yeah, all these pipe world things got updated for Whippersnapper, and then uh, the music was from last week. So yeah. I think that's it. That's we're, that's still a lot. There's a lot of guides. So go to learn.adafruit.com. We're doing a ton. Um, let's do some factory footage. Uh, I have some fun stuff this week for that.
That's factory footage. All right, we're gonna do some uh, 3D printing projects and more with Neil and Pedro. Um, don't forget to tune in for their show, the longest running 3D printing show every single week. 3D Hangouts with Neil and Pedro. Um, let's do the floppy video and then we'll do the speed up and then we're gonna go right into um, INMPI. You can build a retro-inspired gadget using Adafruit's Pi Portal, CircuitPython, and 3D printing. This project was inspired by Dana Sibera, aka NanoRaptor, whose Photoshop renderings give us a peek into an alternative past filled with whimsical computers. This 3D printed enclosure resembles a 3.5 inch floppy disk, also known as the iconic save button. Unlike the original storage devices, this one uses CircuitPython to act like a small USB drive that also shows files on the device's colored TFT display. The files on disk are shown as icons with file names. In my build, audio files, folders, and images are rendered as classic icons from Mac OS 9. You can tap on the next and previous icons to see more files so you can page through all of the documents stored on disk. The Pi Portal is an IoT dev board featuring an AtSamD51 and an ESP32 chip bundled with a 3.2 inch color TFT. The code for this project was written in CircuitPython by Amberella using the Display.io libraries. CircuitPython's native graphics and custom fonts made this project easy. Check out the learn guide for a full breakdown of how the code works and how you can customize the bitmap images to make it your own. You could easily skin this design for your favorite operating system look and feel. Our enclosure was designed in Fusion 360 and snap fits together to make an easy assembly. Check out our GitHub repo to get 3D models of Adafruit boards. You can choose your favorite colored filament to 3D print the parts on an FDM 3D printer. The Pi Portal features mounting tabs that are secured to the built-in standoffs using hardware screws and nuts. The back cover snap fits onto the case and features openings for the USB port and micro SD slot along with a button actuator for the reset button. The sliding door is 3D printed separately in a silver colored filament and snap fits onto the slot on the front side of the case. We hope this inspires you to check out Adafruit's Pi Portal and CircuitPython for your next whimsical project idea.
Hi, uh, NMPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. This week it is NXP. Lidita, what is this week's INMPI? Well, it is M7 week here at Adafruit uh, with just a coincidence, or maybe it was on purpose. Um, we're releasing our new IMX RT 1011 M7 Metro, which uses a chip in the same family as uh, this week's INMPI, which is the IMX rt 1040 series this is a new chip in uh, the illustrious imx rt um uh, 1011 1010 1020 1040 1050 and 1060 you know, watching or listening, they've used microcontrollers such as 8-bit um, PICs or Atmels, or maybe they've used even 32-bit Cortex-M zeros. Um, if you want more M's, you can go from M0 to M4, and then from there on to M7. So the M7s are very fast processors. Um, this one, they can, the whole family, they can be clocked up to one gigahertz. This particular chip, the 1040, is a 500 or 600 giga, uh, megahertz processor. Um, there's also some that have a separate subprocessor, a Cortex-M4 at 400 megahertz. They have a ton of SRAM uh, that can be tightly coupled. They can have external RAM. They have built-in DC-DC converter, so you don't need a separate PMIC. Graphics, um, external QSPY or uh, Octal SPY, flash memory for storing code and files and then um, nxp security as well so this is the uh, metro m7 which is our you know first board that we've made with this series and, and i learned a lot um, getting this board together um, so the imx rt 1011 is kind of the entry-level version of this family um, it's, you know, like a microcontroller, but it runs really, really fast and it has this M7 core. Uh, we've paired it here with an ESP32 for um, Wi-Fi and possibly Bluetooth add-on. Um, some things that are neat that you can see here is um, this is a two-layer board. Um, these chips are designed to be used as low-cost upgrades from, say, M4 or M3 chips. You don't need a separate uh, PMIC manager for all the cores. You just need um, you see on the top left, there's inductor, capacitors, passives. On the right, there's inexpensive QSPY memory. We use the Winbond uh, W25QJV series. Um, this is 64 megabit, 8 megabyte. And uh, you just give it 3-volt power, crystal, and you're pretty much ready to rock. It's got even built-in USB. To program these chips, um, What's recommended is using the MCU Expresso IDE from NXP. It's kind of their all-in-one IDE setup. Um, I will say that I personally haven't used MCU Expresso. Instead, I just use AVR, sorry, ARM GCC, um, ARM GCC and the uh, NXP SDK work really well. And I just use it on the command line. This particular series, the um, IMX RT 1040, like I said, it's kind of in the middle. I'll show you the whole series of what's available in this family. Um, as you expect, it's a Cortex M7 uh, with, of course, floating point support. Uh, it runs at 600 megahertz. If you want it for, I think, the full temperature range, you drive it down at 500 megahertz. But of course, you can uh, pick what frequency you want um, with the PLL. 
Um, it's got the built-in DC-DC converter. So you just need an inductor and you know some capacitors and some passives to run that. Inside is uh, 512K of SRAM, which you can use as tightly coupled memory. Why you need that? Because there is no built-in flash memory. Instead, you have to wire up an external. In my case, I've wired up QSPY NOR flash. You can, of course, also use um, parallel NOR flash or EMCC or NAND, as, as shown here. QSPY is kind of the cheapest and easiest and uses the fewest pins. But then if you want to get instructions off of the um for you know the the firmware that's running on the chip you have you're you're bound by how fast you can get the firmware code off of that qspy nor flash and so by dividing up some of that <clears throat> tightly coupled memory maybe 128k you can cache instructions so if you're running in a loop your large enough loop you can cache the whole thing in uh the tightly coupled memory and you'll get the benefits of that 600 megahertz processor without being slowed down by your you know whatever uh one to uh sorry 100 megahertz maybe at the most speed of uh your flash memory uh one thing that this the 1040 kind of adds that above the 1011 1010 1020 series is it does have um the graphics support and the uh, lcd controller so you can use a dot clock style tft not just your standard um spi tft and uh, it comes in two packages, which I'll show you. They're both the same pinout 169 BGAs. Uh, one is 0.65 and one is 0.8 millimeter pitch. Um, so it's designed for easy routing. Lots of peripherals. I'm not going to go through all of them because there's a ton. Um, you know, SDIO, eight UARTs, four I squared C's, three SPIs, Flex IO, which is quite interesting. It's kind of, if you've used PIO on the RP2040, Flex IO is kind of similar. It's sort of this um all in one you want to kind of do other protocols that might not be supported uh, natively you can mimic them with flex io lots of i2s this um the 1011 series doesn't have can or ethernet um but these do it does have one usb high speed which can be either uh, peripheral or controller um however it doesn't have two some of the 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 1050 and above have two uh usbs all memory stuff, like I said in the middle, there's that parallel LCD. You've got enough GPIO, you can control those 24-bit displays with you, where you have 24 bits RGB, uh, V-Sync, H-Sync, dot clock, etc. Um, and ADC, no DAC, but there is I2S output and lots of PWMs and timers. If you want to use the USB core for uh, this chip series, um, we do have support for the NXP IMX RT and Teeny USB. Uh, TAC, one of our developers that's uh, supported by Adafruit, has done an excellent job um, adding support for this the NXP series. NXP, the LPC series, actually was one of the first chips supported by Teeny USB, um, but we definitely have support for the IMX series as well. Uh, it's open source and a great way to kind of start structuring your project, again, if you're using um, ARM GCC, which is what Teeny USB builds in. Uh, we also have a teeny uf2 bootloader so the, there is a built-in bootloader a rom bootloader uh and it's very fast and it works quite well but if you would like to have a user-friendly bootloader we have a second stage bootloader built on teeny usb called teeny uf2 um, and it's a drag and drop you know you create these uf2 files that you might be familiar from our samd processor chips and rp2040 chips use that format uh, for drag and drop programming um but again, there's this ROM bootloader that you don't have to worry about uh, and you program it with a command line tool that's available on any operating system. So 
you know, if you want to debug it, you'll need a JLink, but you don't need one to program it, built-in programmer. Um, as we mentioned, uh, these are available in 0.65 and 0.8 uh, millimeter ball pitch BGA. They are designed to be routed onto a two-layer board, and, and they do have, you know, dev boards that are two-layer. Just to prove it, you don't need a four-layer or six-layer. I mean, you'll, of course, benefit. You'll have a bigger ground plane. Maybe you'll be able to fit your parts uh, tighter because you don't have to route around them. Um, but it's designed to uh, do a fan out on an inexpensive uh, two-layer board. So just um, check the application hints. Uh, they do give you suggestion uh, on how to do the fan out in the layout. Uh, and this is just uh, from the NXP uh, fan out recommendation. They will give you, hey, here's how we suggest you do the spacing and um, DRC rules to make sure that your um, IMX processor uh, succeeds, you know, in your your BGA design. Because the uh, if you look at the Metro, it's the uh, TQFP. Um, and here's the rules for the uh, 0.65, just here for your reference. So this is, again, part of the series of IMX RT chips, uh, starting from the bottom. Again, the, the numbering is a little confusing. The RT1010, there's only the 1011 in existence. And the 1040, it's actually the 1042. So like that last digit is sort of like a series of, of parts. Um, so you can see kind of, you start with the RT1011, which doesn't have Ethernet or CAN bus and only has one USB and doesn't have graphics. And you kind of move up from the bottom, 1020 doubles the amount of RAM to 256K. And then the 1040 doubles it again to 512. But it's also the first one where you move from a QFP or QFN to a BGA. Still, it's 0.8 millimeters. Um, so I really think even though prototyping might be a challenge, um, any pick and place house should be able to handle that processor. And it has the graph acceleration, um, lots of I2S and SPDIF, again, lots of peripherals. Uh, and it's not mentioned here, but it has two flex IO peripherals, um, whereas I think the 1050 only has one. So they've kind of bumped up uh, some of the peripherals. The full uh, table isn't here, but you can check it out on the NXP website. And then, you know, as you work on the 1040, if you're like, oh man, I really want uh, you know, camera interface, or maybe I want uh, USB host as well as USB peripheral. I want two USB ports. Uh, you bump yourself up to the 1050, keep going to the 1060 all the way to the 1180, which is quite a beast with built-in uh, one or two megabytes of SRAM. Um, the Flex.io is kind of the most interesting thing here. Again, you can emulate, uh, there's a lot of peripheral buses, but maybe your pins are being used by you know, that parallel TFT, or maybe you need like another three UARTs, um, you can use Flex.io to, to mimic a lot of these. Um, note that it says for the 1010, but it's it's for the entire IMX series. They all have um, the Flex.io and the 1040 has two of them. For the display, again, there's no camera, but there is a, a display. I don't, it says displaying camera. I guess you could mimic the camera again with Flex.io. For display, um, note that you do have to have a frame buffer, right? So you will have to wire up external DRAM. Um, I can show you on the eval board, it looks like there is a DRAM on there already. So you can kind of follow their layout. You're gonna use you know, a bunch of pins for that. And then you'll use a lot of pins for the 24-bit parallel RGB LCD. But again, it's pretty rare to find a inexpensive processor that can drive a full TFT display um, that you know doesn't, uh, doesn't have like a massive number of pins. I mean, this does have a massive number of pins, but it's easy to route. 
Um, the only other chips that basically have those displays, which are, are kind of specialty displays, where they get very, very expensive, whereas, whereas this one's pretty affordable, considering it can drive up to, uh, I think, it's like 1,000 1, by 700 pixels. So, um, you know, fairly large, like 10-inch um, diagonal displays. And um, if you want to get started, we, I mean, the 1040 just came out, but uh, you can expect that we'll probably add it to the list. We do have CircuitPython. So, you know, you want to use that as a core for your development. Um, it's available and we're, we're adding more support, especially since we're releasing this first Metro M7 into the shop finally. Um, so check it out uh, if you also want to um, use CircuitPython, which is MIT licensed, as a building block for your design. But, um, you know, we'll probably end up adding you know, FlexIO support, the Parallel TFT support, and USB host support for this series of chips through CircuitPython. And, you know, when I wrote the test code for um, the Metro, which I wrote in ARM GCC using the NXP SDK, um, I definitely cribbed from the CircuitPython code. I was like, well, how do you do the analog reads or how do you like set the pull-ups? Oh, hey, we have some example code uh, ready to go. And uh, also recommend getting the eval board, uh, which was not too expensive and has everything. So you can see kind of in the middle left there, um, there's a micro E socket and there's also Arduino socket, NXP chip in the center. And then there's like a microphone and like headphone out. And there's also a, um, on the top left, there's an M2 socket where you can plug in Wi-Fi. So this is like a quite a beast. Um, we tend to target, um, when we develop CircuitPython, we, we target the eval boards because they're pretty plentiful and they kind of have everything on them. Um, I'll show this one uh, on the overhead. It's 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 quite big. Yeah, and uh, it's available on DigiKey. We'll yes, it's stock. in stock. In stock. About and... 10 bucks a piece, um, which is a really good deal considering you, know, you get the SRAM built in. You only need, like I said, passives, crystal, small inductor, and QSPY flash. Maybe add like another dollar to your bomb. Um, this is very affordable when you compare it to other uh, M7 boards like the STM series, which you can't get anyways. Um, this could be a very nice upgrade. It has a lot of the same features um, that you would expect from, from other well-known M7s. So let me, uh, hold on, I'm going to back up my, this, this board is so chonky. I'm gonna back up my overhead. Okay, so this is, and this is a little booklet that came with it. So this is the EVK, which I picked up again, a huge chip in the center. Uh, looks like this is the DRAM, micro SD, micro E socket. So we use um, micro E boards, Arduino-esque um, header socket, M2 for Wi-Fi. It looks like there's uh, audio. Oh, this is like is a, a codec. Hold on. This is a... Oh, this is a WM8960, our favorite um, microphone and uh, audio output uh, I2S codec. Uh, some audio outputs, uh, Ethernet. Again, this has built-in Ethernet. It does have, um, you will need a PHY, and this is probably the PHY for it. And then there's probably uh, inductors. The um, transformers are inside here. Uh, this is that one inductor that you need for the DC-DC converter built in. And then there's the crystals. There's our, uh, 32 kilohertz and uh, 24 megahertz. And then this is the uh, programming and debugging interface. This is probably running some uh, you know NXP debugger interface code, or maybe it's JLink or something compatible. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Buttons, DC input, 
and then um, this is USB for the debugging. I think maybe I don't know USB for native. Oh no, here it is. Here's the USB native. So this you can have on the go. So if you want to have this be host, you would get a USB um, host adapter. And then uh, on the bottom, we're not done yet. Um, on the bottom, you can see the Parallel TFT 40 pin connector. And this is a six pin connector, which um, has a pinout for capacitive touch. Almost certainly this looks like it's the uh, goes together. So you'd have a capacitive touch interface over I squared C here um, and Parallel TFT over there. And then don't forget, you'll, you know, for that, you need to buffer um, the display. You'll have to pop on some extra RAM, which is probably what this chip is. And then um, I wanted to show real fast the chips themselves now we gotta go really small because these are very small chips okay uh so this is uh this is again the same chip right but one of them is 0.65 millimeter ball pitch and this one is 0.8 so i'll flip it over so you can see the comparison um which one do you choose well you know 0.8 is easier to route, but it's bigger, and uh, 0.65 is nice and compact. You can still do it with a two-layer board, but you're going to have, um, you know, a very good process for your PCB manufacturer. So pick which one, same, you know, same material on the inside, uh, just a different uh, package on the outside. So that's the IMX RT 1040 series. So check that out, and then um, don't forget to pick up a Metro M7 if you want to get started with uh, the crossover MCU series. What's on MPI? All right. So don't forget the code is a cow logger, 10% native store, all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Eastern time or when I fall asleep or wake up because of baby schedule. Um, let's kick it off with some new products ideas. This is what we've been waiting for. Yay. All day. We did it. We're almost here. Here we go. New, 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 react to things uh and he seems to like that song so uh speaking of things to react to though it's still coming so soon close. but the photo has been updated any second the metro m7 do sign up we're going to put a small quantity in i believe later this week uh, it'll be probably next would be next week's new product but we'll run out before uh next wednesday yeah um we'll try to notify people including people on the um discord especially if we don't notify everybody because yeah. a couple thousand signups we'll have like about 100 boards uh to put in the shop to start but yeah. um do sign up if you don't get notified immediately don't worry we will be making more next up, next up uh another raspberry pi 3 camera module came in this is the not no ir this is the normal camera module 3 that's not wide so it's kind of like the one I think people are going to want the most. Um, this is in stock. So there's like the no IR, um, wide, normal, and now the everyday wide and normal. And we're going to get some photos and videos of all the, all the camera options and like what it looks like. Um, this is the new like super fancy 12 megapixel 
camera module V3 that has autofocus, um, really high quality, uh, great for any camera projects. And it's like the same price as the camera V2. Next up. Next up, uh, we've got an update. This is um, an update to an uh, old familiar favorite, the capacitive touch shield. Uh, for Arduino, so we've used Penguin to make the fonts really nice. Uh, we've also moved the reset button to be right angle. Um, IRF is still there, and uh, the Stemma QT port is also new. We added that as a little spot. I thought I could show a quick demo because capacitive touch is nice. This is a beautiful display, um, and it's got a wonderful capacitive touch screen. I will note, you know, capacitive touch is more expensive than resistive. Um, the resistive touch is out of stock at the moment, but will be coming back because we have to redesign it. So this is, this is the capacitive touch. Let me autofocus it. So the colors are a little bit washed out just because uh, it's a screen with a, you know, a monitor with a screen. Let me see if I can. Yeah, for this, you might want to turn the light off, actually. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Maybe that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's still washed up, but still, um, so, you know, it's a nice capacitive touch screen, and we've got this little uh, painting demo for it in Arduino, um, but you know what? It actually works with CircuitPython as well. It's got the FT2602 uh, or 2606 capacitive touch screen. It doesn't do multi-touch, um, but it's very, you know, basic and gives you the 240 by 320 um, pixels to touch points, and then, yeah, it's got that 320 by 240 ILI 9341 screen all connected over SPI for the screen and I squared C um, for the capacitive touch. So the big update, uh, as mentioned, um, you know, on the side now, we've got this reset button on the side that's easy to get to and a SemiQT port for adding I squared C sensors easily. Yes. Also got an update to this uh, two inch um, IPS TFT display. Um, as people have been noticing, all of our displays have been updated to have iSpy connectors. Uh, iSpy is kind of like Stemma QT uh, for plug and play SPI displays. Um, usually you have so many wires that you have to wire up to get these working. And it means that it's like hard to kind of mount the display far away. And like I've seen people have a lot of difficulty with um, having the wires break off or short to each other or soldering issues. Um, so this is it running the demo off of a cutie uh, pie. So it can show it in the um, overhead. Can show what it looks like. Um, so it just means, and this is actually kind of great for me because I can show up this demo. Here, I'll move the screen protector. Yes. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that's very enjoyable. So um, you've got this display, and instead of having to solder all the connectors, um, this nice um, flip top FPC connector goes from here to, you know, whatever your dev board is here. I've got a little uh, breakout board to stomach QT. So the display can go anywhere, um, easier to mount, easier to wire. Um, you know, basically a no soldering solution as long as you've got the matching um, iSpy connector on the other side. Uh, so this is, you know, otherwise it's the same pinout, display, same SD card, same, you know, level shifter. And we also uh, did a nice silk screen as well with Penguin. All righty. Next up. Oh, actually, can we go to this one? Yep. Okay. Yeah, because it's another display. So oh, this okay. this is another, uh, this is a 1.44 inch display. It was one of our oldest products, uh, 120 by 120 pixels. These were popular displays, um, popularized uh, for like keychain um, image viewers. I don't know if you people remember those from like a decade ago. Um, it was one of the first displays that was available that's like basically SPI um, low cost. It's not an IPS display, but it does look quite nice. Um, and the update we've done is like the other displays. Uh, 
Yeah. Has now an ice bike connector as well. Uh, we also made the um, level shifter a little bit smaller to make room. I kind of making this way easier now. Yeah. It's if you have this connector, thing. then you can, like, and it's like cool. And it's standardized. It's like everything we're doing yeah. with displays has them. And of course, we're going to make feather wings and, and we have a breakout just to get started. Um, but really, we were had a, we saw a lot of customers who were just having issues with there's just so many wires required. And yeah, it's so easy. It's, really... it's like you can't see it because the displays and then you want to mount the display. So, you know, this solves. Uh, so you never know if your thing's not working, you never know what, what it is because there's so many wires going around. Yeah. All right. Um, and then you want to do the pliers. Yes. This are a, another set of crimpers from um, Engineer. They're a Japanese uh, crimping plier tool company, and they make really good stuff um we've carried their other crimping pliers so you know i do recommend if you're going to be um crimping connectors for uh you know jst or molex you know if you can't afford it try to get the official crimper because of course it's going to work great or just get pre-crimped wires but if you can't um the the crimpers that are made by engineer are really high quality um they have really good results and uh, they have good instructional videos to get you started with them as well so this does like a range of um, sizes you can look at the product page and the data sheet for the specifics but basically your your standard small wire crimps um, that most engineers are going to bump into that are not electrical grade they're electronics grade and i hope they have like a video or advertising they did it's like hey hand me those crimpers over there and someone's like well there's a bunch of crimpers over here which ones are yours engineer yeah what oh Oh, I hope so too. Engineer. Okay. Uh, All right, and then now we're gonna do the star of the show tonight. Besides you, Lady Ada. Besides our team, everyone who helps Adafruit go, our community, our customers, and all those great things, including a tiny baby who is super awesome tonight, letting us do the show is yay cowbell. It's time for more cowbell. This is our second cowbell. Uh, the first one was the prototyping one. Uh, usually data logger is the second board I make for a platform because um, it kind of covers a lot of stuff. A lot of people want to do data logging and they also just want to have an SD card uh, socket. So this is a cowbell. It goes on a Raspberry Pi Pico board, either the Pico or the Pico W, a beautiful silkscreen. Penguin, <clears throat> the data logger um, logo that you guys did, you and uh, Bruce did, yeah. and then uh, the cowbell logo. Um, so this is a simple little board that just kind of slips underneath or over a uh, Pi Cow Bell, sorry, Pi Cow or a Pico, and um, gives you a real-time clock, the PCF8523. It's a low cost. It's a fairly good uh, quality real-time clock. You're, you're going to lose a second or two here, but it's inexpensive, and I think that's a worthwhile trade-off. Um, and then to go with the real-time clock, there's also a uh, coin cell holder. Um, we don't include the coin cell because it makes it very hard to ship if you do. So we sell them separately or you can buy them at uh, your local grocery store. It's a standard CR1220. Um, there's also a reset button because the Pico doesn't have a reset button. So you can press that. Um, a micro SD slot that fits nicely at the end. It's a uh, you know Molex pull-pull type. So you pull it out, pull it back in. And then on the other end is a STEM QT port for attaching sensors. So this is basically perfectly designed for you have a Raspberry Pi Pico <clears throat> or Pico W and you want to uh, log data from a sensor and you want to timestamp it 
or you want to um, read audio files or data files off of the SD card. Maybe you want to do something with timing. Um, you know, it's a three-in-one board, but very handy. All the little individual pieces are very inexpensive, uh, but they fit uh, quite nicely together. So, you know, I put together a very quick um, little demo that, you know, won't look very exciting, but I can still show you. Wow. Um, so, so this is, oh wait, I just turned off the light. Can you hit the autofocus for me? Thank you. Okay. So, um, this is a Raspberry Pi Pico and I've got it wired up over the stomach UT to a BME 280. And then you'll notice that this LED flashes every five seconds. Um, I just wrote a little bit of circuit Python code. Or maybe it was our read code, I don't remember, that will read the temperature, humidity, um, and pressure off of the BME 280 uh, through the plug and play connector, and then log it to um, the SD card and then flush that data to the SD card. We'll publish all that data as well. Um, but you know, if you wanted to, um, you know, this is stacked on with stacking headers that are soldered in. You can add um, you know, a battery um, connector. If you'd like, you know, I think uh, we stock one from uh, Pimeroni that allows you to run a Pico off of a LiPo battery that can then be recharged. Um, so you can take it for like portable data logging, or again, you want to host data that has uh, time, sensor input, and SD card. And then, you know, I did some simple things like um, if you remove the SD card and then, uh, you know, it says, like, hey, you remove the SD card and it, you know, warns you like your data is not being logged anymore. And then on the bottom, oh wait, that's the prototype one. So let me get the the final version. Um, it uses the default. Oh, thank you. It uses the default SPI port on Arduino. Um, if you're using the Philhauer core, same uh, with I squared C. That's for the QT and the real time clock. Um, and if you'd like, there's also a SD card detect pin. You know that pin will um, short low when a card is inserted, or it's the other way around. Basically. You can use it to determine if there's a card physically inside. Um, you can see the little spring that opens and closes when, when something touches. And a lot of the pins are also duplicated over here. So, you know, you can um, you could get to them. They're also labeled. So if you're like, oh, I can sort of solder a wire if I want to get to other IO pins. Or you could, like, you know, as seen here, just solder stacking headers and you put it onto a breadboard or uh, another board that you can get to the, the rest of the components, uh, the rest of the pads. Um, without being in the way of these components. So that is, uh, oh, and then I'll just show on this prototype I do have, I'll show what the battery looks like. So this is when the battery is installed. The prototype is green. Your, your version will be black, but uh, the prototype is green. And then, um, you, you know, once you install the coin cell, it'll keep time for up to seven years. Wow. Okay. And that is new products. New, 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 new. New, 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 new. New, 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 new. Here you go. Everywhere new. Everywhere new, new. Okay. Um, don't forget the code is cataloger. Um, we have some questions lined up. I've been putting them in a text file for Lady Ada to look at as we answer questions. But first, we're going to do some top secret. All right, top secret this week. We can play a video. Then we're going to go into the uh, the weather report where you you point out all of the graphics that we were in the background. Early data was this. 
Yes, we can, 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 can. We're doing some Canva stuff here at uh, Desk of Lady Ada. So this is my ESP32-S2, and I'm testing out a CAN transceiver that I designed uh, using, I think, the TJA1051. It's got a little five-volt booster, and you can turn on and off the termination resistors. And on the other side over here, I've got two uh, SAM... E51s are Feather M4 cans. This is the one of the transmitters, one of the receivers, and then I'm using this as a receiver, but it, you know it's also doing some transmission and basically testing that when I touch it, it receives messages successfully. Um, so this is going to be coming out, and we have Can IO support in Circuit Python. So that's what I'm using, and then a little preview. We also have a CAN bus Feather wing, which also works in Circuit Python using the MCP2515. Yes, we can, can, can. All right, so we got um, this. Weather report. What is it? Um, so this is a feather bones board. So it's like, you know, I have the, the core basic RP2040 board over there. And on the, on the side over your head, I've got uh, ink um, circuitry for a standard 24 pin ink displays. This is kind of an all-in-one ink display driver. And there's lots of RAM on the RP2040. So it makes for a great ink driver. And then um, this is uh, the Eagle for a version of the RP2040, but with a RFM module. So it can be like an RFM69 or a LoRa module. And this is the rendering. Yeah. And then um, this isn't a top secret thing. I just wanted to show this. So when we're uh, getting ready, we're like, okay, I might have to like hold the kid or feed the kid while we're doing this. So I'm like, oh yeah, what I'll do is I'll make it so like, I could disappear us and then it'll just be Lamore. Weird. And then I Where are you? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, because now I'm off to the side. But then I'm just like, oh, you know what else is cool? We could have like three of you. So this is how we actually or two of you. This is how we actually get everything done. We have two lady Yeah, that's how we do it. So okay. That's top secret. Our top secret is we have two lady Explains a lot. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go right to questions. Um, do you want to be solo there? Do you want me to just put you in the middle? Yeah. Yeah. This, practice? yeah this is fun. This is fun. Solo mode. Yeah. All right. Well, you're so. going to ask the first question. Well, I'm just going to sit here and, uh, okay. oh, wait, no, I'm going to, I don't, I'm not going to make two of you. I'm going to okay. make one of you. Okay. All right. Here you go. You ready? Yeah. What's a good way to add shopping cart functionality to a website? Well, I'll be talking kind of off the screen. So I would start off just putting a button on your site and like PayPal or whatever. Um, I would also lean on like Etsy or Tindy if assuming this is like electronic stuff or eBay because making a shopping cart is hard. It's a lot we different just, than it used to we be. Just, we were talking about this. Like we wouldn't be doing Adafruit in the same way if we were starting now. Um, you might want to look at Shopify, but I think you should get started really easy. Someone can email you. They can pay value. They can, there's many ways you could take payment. Uh, any type of credit card is accepted through those things. Um, and just get started slow because you're just going to end up just doing web work not you know selling electronic work next up um these are good ideas by the way they're not questions but i'm going to send this to the circuit python team mm -hmm. circuit python now has, has a blue screen of death someday we'll have a pink screen of death for the web editor that would be great there's a ton of possibilities with safe mode now amazing stuff uh dan ancient developers and then maybe a pink screen of friendly diagnosis yeah well we have the you know the status bar at the top so i think it would probably we could start with that like it yeah. does tell you what line and a what error, screen of help what number uh your error code is on yeah and then um, will there be black LEDs? And the answer is, well, we do have, uh, you know, these, these funky. We cool. do have these. This is kind of close. They're not black, but they're like different colors. If you turn them off, it's black cat. We have the cat LEDs. Yeah. Kind of like that. 
Um, next up, Lady Ada. Uh, you want to read this one off here? Okay. Can an RP2040 handle an ESP32 phone and talking to display driver and some sensors? It has a, a WQ25 flash for the BIOS and a micro C cell for the file system. I hope it's up to the task. I think the PIO can handle some of the tasks I'm asking engineer. It can, but that's a lot of stuff for it to do. Um, you might want to skip ahead and use a real-time operating system. Um, I think embed or free RTOS would be a good option just because that's a lot of data that you're kind of pushing back and forth um, and handling. It's not, it's non-trivial to, to handle that much stuff. Um, so if you want to have like good reaction timing. Okay. Can I, uh... yeah. Okay. Um, why are there four circles near the corners of that chip on the eval board? Um, I thought, I think that there might be, um, placement fiducials or I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. Um, I'm going to ask NXP. Okay. Another suggestion was, uh, the pink screen of timeout. That's funny. Yeah. Um, next, uh, can you put traces under the keep out zone on the ESP room? You can, but you're not going to have a good time. So I would not, <laughs> I would not recommend it. I, you know, keep, keep traces out of there. Um, not good for your antenna performance and not good for your traces. Okay. How do I get three-phase high-voltage meter cowbell for logging? Well, you'll want to get um, probably like a clamp-on thing that can attach to one of the phases, um, but then you can use this data logger and, and just read that analog voltage, and you'll just have to, you know, do the amplitude to amperage calculation. Um, but they do, I know that there's like clamp-on. I mean, they're not inexpensive, they're not inexpensive, but there's, there's clamps for um, phase voltage reading. On a previous show, you featured MM radio capable of detecting movement. General thoughts on carrying one or making a breakout. Just curious, any fruits to take on these? Um, I had a couple samples of M, M, you know, high frequency gigahertz radio at, um, radar. There, I'm not have not had a ton of success with them yet, but it could be something I'm doing. So I, I have to I have to get them working quite well before I can um, consider stocking them. Okay, um, I can answer this one. What's the best location for? Someone to seek assistance from experienced CircuitPython programmers with the project. They can do the wiring pad, but programming is outside their skill set. Should they seek assistance in the forums, Discord, Adafruit for job site? So do the job site right now because it's going to change soon. So put something up on jobs.adafruit.com. I'll immediately approve the job because we moderate all of them to make sure there's nothing scammy or sketchy or weird. And then um, you can also hang out in Discord. But uh, if you post on the job board, that's the best way because folks will see that. And then, of course, hanging out on Discord, there's people who do contract work. Um, the forums, those are mostly for customers. Um, but if you you know, if you purchase something and it's something to do with the product, um, they might be able to, of course, point you in the right direction. They, they, they wouldn't write the code for you. Um, but those are all the options. So it sounds like you have a pretty good idea of where you got to go. But I would I would put it on the jobs board as soon as possible. Uh, I think that, uh, what's the best way to add samples to an Arduino sequencer? Um, you can look at our Neo Trellis board. I think we did a sampler. Um, we would store the samples on, um, QSpy memory, but honestly, CircuitPython kind of does it better because you can just like move the files around. Um, Arduino is not really awesome with like fast access files unless you like embed it into the C code. And with that is the questions. Okay. Good job, Lady Ada. We you did know. it. Okay. Um, guess what, everybody? Guess what? That's our show. Wow.
we very much appreciate you coming by tonight, um, especially the folks behind the scenes helping out, uh, Jesse May and the Adafruit Slack channels, helping out some customers, um, Kiddo, who's uh, having really intense dreams. Babies, when they dream, they um, they have every emotion going on. Um, and she's really soft. Yeah. Also, uh, I really want to say thanks to Sloth. Sloth. Sloth is really nice. Also, killing that Sloth. Uh, ball. 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 These balls. This ball. The great. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Oh yeah, because it's green. It's green. Yeah, it's green. Freaky. Yeah, she plays with these. And then I'd also like to thank uh, Crinkle Paper. Brought to you by Crinkle Paper. <laughs> yeah. It's the crinkliest. Yeah. So uh, we'll see everybody next week. This has been an Adafruit production. Um, we're gonna do moment of Zener, and then uh, our kiddo's gonna gonna play out. Moment of Zener. Good night, everybody.